1: IB Nation, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It's Thursday, May 25th. That dude right there, some of you will recognize, some of you may not. That's my guy Tim O'Malley of Irish Illustrated and Tim is joining us today because we're going to talk some Notre Dame football. On Tuesday, we had Bill Bender of Sporting News here to talk about what the expectations are for Notre Dame in 2023 from an outsider standpoint. As someone who I think is very fair to Notre Dame, very fair to Northern teams, is not someone who says everyone in the SEC stink is great and everyone that's not in the SEC sucks, he is not one of those guys. Neither is that guy, Tim O'Malley. So we're going to talk Notre Dame football 2023 expectations. And, Tim, this is obviously our first time having you on, man. So I'm very excited, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I appreciate it. Long time coming. We tried a couple times. That's right. That's right. There's always something, right? There's some kid that you've got to take to a this practice or that game, or you hit, hit my wheelhouse. here at right on. one
2: o'clock on Thursdays, though. That's the wheelhouse. That's right. That's right.
1: So, Tim, we're we're you and I were chatting the other day, and we were kind of talking about this 2023 football team, and and kind of the excitement that this team that there is around this team, but also that there's so many questions about this team and the range of where this team could be from. You know, if things if Marcus Freeman's not the guy we think he is, or if this happens or that happens, boy, this team could be here. But if this goes well, if that goes well, this team could be here. And I think that's the really intriguing aspect about this 2023 team is there's a lot of potential, but also a lot of questions. And I think the first question to address is, is we really still don't know who Marcus Freeman is. And so when you look at this 23 season, Tim, how much do you think we can learn about Marcus Freeman? As a head coach and the direction of this program based on this season alone.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
2: A lot more than year one, because one thing we kind of talked about offline and I wrote about in the past was there's not a chance, as much as everybody liked Marcus Freeman and the hiring of Freeman and what he was doing to work on the recruiting trail, that he could be as good of a coach in year one as he was going to be in year five. There's no such thing as a football coach that's that, and you brought up previously here. Year two is the same thing. He's going to keep getting better as a coach, but... You get a fair, more fair assessment in year two. There's always culture changes you have to have behind the scenes. People don't know about them. Sometimes they're giant, obvious issues. Sometimes they're just cultural things you have to change. I think Marcus Freeman, the way he handled the team after the Marshall loss and after the Stanford loss, especially because the Marshall loss was just an absolute shock to the system. After the Stanford loss, especially that they were able to regroup, play their best football for a while. Would have played better football at USC. I'm not saying they would have beaten USC with the two corners involved in the game, but they they would have played better against USC. I thought he handled the football team very well after the Stanford loss. Um, I thought he handled the job well after the Marshall loss is the best way to say it. Maybe the football team obviously still had some growing to do, but I thought he handled his job well and then the football team. And we've talked about this a lot. The Stanford loss was probably worse.
1: Oh, yeah. As far as the quality of the football team, yes. the yes. perception might not be worse. Oh, no, the perception
2: is definitely not worse.
1: But. Yeah, because, you know, what was it? What were they like? I was forgetting. So Conference USA last year. They've jumped around, you know. But Vince and I actually had this argument last summer. Vince was like, ah, the worst team on the schedule. I was like, bro, no, they're not. Trust me. It's a good football team. And and so they lost to a better team. The circumstance was more understandable because it was after Ohio State. That's why it was one of our summer trap games when we looked at the schedule. But still no excuse for it, right? I mean, Notre Dame should never lose to Marshall, ever. I don't care what your circumstances are. It just was more of a, I could see that one coming. Stanford hadn't lost to a a Power 5, I mean, I forget Power 5. They hadn't lost to an FBS team in over a calendar year. The only win they had in that stretch of time was over Colgate, and you lost to them at home. And it was a, talk about shock to the system. I mean, it it was a, you flatlined. You know, I mean, yep. really, as a program, you flatline because the one big question that arose at that time is these are the games that Brian Kelly never lost in his last five years. These are the games that you you knew that they were going to win those games. How is Freeman going to respond to it? And I thought, like you said, Tim, he responded incredibly well. And I, and I also kind of liked some people didn't like this. I'm a big fan of humility. I'm a big fan of honesty. And I think sometimes you could say if you're going to have a criticism of Marcus Freeman, he's maybe too honest. About things you kind of want him to act like he's got all the answers, but he didn't early in the season, right? And 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 I actually appreciated that. And I think over time the players began to appreciate that because it was still very much a hey, I didn't do this, I didn't do that, and it wasn't done in a way that we saw under the previous regime where it's like he would take the blame while sort of not taking the blame. Like it's like, well, I didn't do this, but then all of a sudden you can feel the shade being thrown at the players or somebody else, right. I thought he took that ownership, and I think the team eventually responded to it. And then there's a lot of things that you and I know about that he did behind the scenes after Stanford that got this team going yeah. that have continued with certain guys maybe not coming back, some coaching changes. And when I mean coaching changes, I don't mean that he got rid of people that were problems. It was more of when people left, what he focused on to replace them with is what I'm referring to. And and so at least in that regard, I, I feel like we saw a lot of growth from Marcus Freeman. He'll never be the, to build on what you said, Tim, he'll never be the same coach in year two that he'll be in year five. Right. However, I do think that this year, Tim, more than any really other, we're going to learn this season about Marcus Freeman and his staff, Jared Parker, Al Golden, Gino Gadulli, Joe Rua, all all the way down the line. We're going to learn if this staff has the chops or not. Doesn't mean they have to be perfect. It doesn't have to mean he's, he's acts like a 10 year vet in year two, but you're going to see things this year that show
2: us he's got the chops or he's got a lot longer way to go than I thought. I think you're going to learn it between September 23 with Ohio State leading into USC because you, if you're going to identify trap games, I mean, you break down the schedule, everybody says the three. There's the three games we all know about. There's the three you, cannot lose, quote unquote, you're not allowed to lose three of those games as well. And then there's the three ACC road games, two back-to-back that are sandwiched by USC and Ohio State. I'm not even counting learning about the coaching staff for the USC game. I, you might win the game, you might lose the game, but I, I know how the coaching staff is going to handle that game. How do you mm-hmm. handle the incredible high after beating to Ohio State or the incredible deflation of losing to Ohio State against two teams that you should beat, but are capable Of beating Mm -hmm. Notre Dame, that's the issue, and those spreads eight nine win teams last year. Exactly, those spreads are going to be seven eight and a half points. You can lose those games. You shouldn't lose those games, but you play them back to back in between your two toughest games of the season. I know Notre Dame is going to respond to the USC game at night. I know Mm -hmm. they will be ready for the Notre for the USC game at night. That is not a coaching staff test. That is a program test, a player test to see if you can beat USC and Caleb Williams, Duke and Louisville. After Ohio State, that's, I think, where you see a growth from year one to year two in a coaching staff.
1: Because when you look at a team that's a good team, a team that's got some maturity, you don't lose 16 to 14 games to Stanford at home. And I don't expect this team to be right. that. What you can lose, however, are the teams that have good quarterback play or offenses that can score. And that's the concern for me with Duke and, and Louisville is in the past, Duke had some really good defenses. I mean, the team that Notre Dame played in 2019 on the on the road, that was a really good defensive football team at Duke. They didn't look that good that night against Notre Dame, but they had two good ends. They had, they had quality defensive players. We've talked about the 2016 team that beat Notre Dame. What was the recipe for that, for that team that year? Now, of course, Notre Dame was a, a train wreck, but we didn't know how much of a train wreck Notre Dame was going to be just yet but they had a quarterback that can make plays and they had legit athletes on defense, but a, a, a well-coached Notre Dame
2: team doesn't lose that game. And they had a backup right? kick returner that could score touchdowns, which That's is kind of right. amazing too. That was the, the,
1: the, the teams that can upset you normally, if you're a good team, are teams that can score. You look around the, the years when Alabama yeah. lost games in the sec, it wasn't very often. They lost a 12 to 10 game. It was always, they lost some shootout, right? I think other than like a, A 26-12 loss to Auburn, usually it's like Ole Miss beating him in a high-scoring game. You know, Johnny Manziel doing some Superman stuff against them in 2012. And that's the thing about those games, Tim, is they they have a quarterback at Duke that can hurt you with his arm and his legs. They have legit weapons at wide receiver. And, and that's the concern there on top of the emotional stuff. And then Louisville is a coach that you're familiar with yeah. in Jeff Brom, but he's going to have a lot of athletes and probably the most talented defense he's ever had as a head coach just because of what he inherits at Louisville. Offensive guy, you know, be able to score. There'll be six or seven games into his tenure there. That's what makes them concerning. And to your point, a, a mentally focused and prepared Notre Dame team goes 2-0 against right. those two teams and that's what we're going to learn is how quickly can Marcus Freeman get those teams ready because this is to your point Tim this is round two of Marshall that's what yep. these games are because yeah. they're not that they're not that different than from what Marshall was last year I think they're both better quarterback than what Marshall was but Marshall a lot, had some a lot better than quarterback. <laughs>
2: yes but yeah. yeah Marshall Marshall had better corners Marshall had better corners, corners but- Pretty good wideouts. outs, yeah, a, good uh, a former back. five-star running back, legit
1: power, like lower power five level offensive yeah. line it was a really good offensive line. And Notre Dame couldn't take advantage of the airs where they should have been much better. Like, you know, post route wide open by seven yards and you can't hit it, right? But it was all the stuff against Marshall was all up here, Tim. It was you weren't mentally ready and physically ready to you weren't physically ready because you weren't mentally ready to play that game because they couldn't get that team ready to play. He did a better job than after the Stanford loss, but it also helped that you were playing UNLV. That, yes, this isn't UNLV, yeah. right? These are good football teams. But that's what we're going to learn about Coach Freeman. It's can you get the team mentally ready to play against the best teams? And I'll say this about Notre Dame last year. There was never a doubt in my mind Ohio State game, they got outplayed and outcoached in some regards. But that team was mentally and physically ready to play, they were up oh, for that for game. Sure. They did not execute all that well, which, you know, game one, new coach, whatever. You can excuse it. They were they were ready to play North Carolina. They were mentally, emotionally ready to play Carolina. They were mentally and emotionally ready to play uh, BYU. They were mentally and emotionally ready to play Clemson, and the same thing for USC. So the games that at the big, beginning yeah. of the season, we looked at the best teams on the schedule. They were mentally and emotionally ready to play those games, and they played well. Even, I shouldn't say play well. They played hard. Even right. in games they lost, the problem was they weren't mentally ready to play Marshall, Stanford. To a degree, I would say UNOV. They just out talented UNOV. At least the defense was ready to play that game. I don't know if the well, offense yeah, the was special team
2: caused. I mean, Isaiah Foskey yeah. blocked two punts or Kali got one, but that is right. that, those matter.
1: The, those were because we're just better than you, yeah, type of things. You know, they weren't. I don't know that they, that you know Navy. You kind of let your guard down after getting a big halftime lead. Those are the type of things where you saw at times a lack of maturity as a football team because it's easy to get up for the big games and you because right. you didn't have a coach that was tamping down that emotion and energy. That's the difference. So I like that. But can you get them most mentally and emotionally ready to play? Because here's the thing that gets overlooked, Tim, in my opinion. I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. Sometimes people dismiss the Tennessee states in the Central Michigan games as not important. And I don't agree, because I think those are the games where you where you really prove yourself as a coach to make sure that you don't lose your momentum, if you have any, when when you're, things are going well. Like, hey, if you take this team lightly, and that's why Lou Holtz was the way he was. That's why he was miserable to be around during those weeks, because it was, these kids aren't idiots. They're going to pop into film and, and realize this team sucks. So it's up to me. To make sure that the way that I conduct myself and we as coaches conduct ourselves, that we keep the edge this week because the opponent or film is not going to do it. And that's something that we're going to learn about this staff as well, Tim. And you need to be that way to me to be a
2: championship caliber program. And I think Central is a very good will be an indication of that because it's it's after I mean, it's after a road game at NC State that you'll be up for and it's before your biggest game. And the crowd is not going to help Notre Dame for the Central Michigan game. It's going to be a beautiful day in South Bend. One of the last two beautiful days to watch a game. One of the last three beautiful days to watch a game on Saturday in South Bend. Central have its fans there. It's going to have that Boston College Toledo feel of why is it 10 to 3 in the middle of the second quarter. That type of if if you run into that, can they put it on them in the second half? Because human sure. nature is going to come into play in one of these games in the, in the Tennessee sure. State or Central Michigan game. It shouldn't. Tennessee state, the real, the real value of, I mean, the real difficult part of Tennessee state is you're traveling back from Ireland. And you have to go play football. Right. That, that, That's, that's really the only problem there, which is why it was scheduled there. I'd be worried more about central Michigan. If that was in that spot, if you flip flop those two games, I think they'll be back and in the swing of things, but I can see the central Michigan game being disappointing for a while. How do you respond in the second half? It will be a great sign. If they come out and absolutely bulldoze central Michigan with sure. Ohio state on tap. I don't know I don't, that I expect it. I don't expect – when I say Ball State, I don't expect Ball State, Toledo have to win the game at the end. But I just right. mean the atmosphere, the feeling of should you kill this team or why aren't you killing this team? But that's – and that's not but, but that, that is part of what we're talking about
1: here yeah. is how that game goes is going to tell us a lot about the maturity of this team When the mat- maturity of a football team is part about your leadership and your locker room. But that's built by your coaches, and they have to set that agenda. You know, I still remember the the great story about Coach Holtz and and when he first gets hired, he walks in, he's you know, get your feet off, take your hat off, sit up straight. You know, it just there's a culture involved here that that is established by the head football coach. Same players that he had before. It's just but but the culture is different, the expectations are different. How we go about doing our business on a daily basis is gonna be different. And I think those are the type of things that you 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 look at a game like that and say, okay. There's three scenarios, right, that I think are plausible. Them losing is not one that I look at. Central Michigan's not that kind of team. I, this I don't think so
2: either, and I didn't mean yeah. to compare. Toledo, they actually could not block Toledo. Well, that has Toledo wasn't to that good either. I mean, yeah.
1: Toledo wasn't that good either. That team yeah. wasn't, Notre Dame team wasn't very good. That was right. one of the worst 11-1 teams I've ever seen, if, I'm, if we're being that, honest. At that point
2: of the it. season, they yes. were really having trouble.
1: But you look at the Central Michigan game and uh, option number one is they come out early and they just put it to Central Michigan, which is like, OK, this is a focused, locked on football team. That tells me there's a lot of growth that's happened. Number one. It, number two is they come out and maybe struggle a little bit in the first quarter and then put them away late. Yeah. Sort of yeah. like UMass in
0: 2015.
1: I had to right now would be that. Yeah. Scenario. Yeah, where it's like it's kind of close, but you, you kind of started to see that Notre Dame team pull away in the second quarter, and then they just buried him in the in the third and fourth quarter. And then obviously number three is it's like Toledo, where, you know, it, it, again, I don't see it being that competitive because I don't think they have the athletes at quarterback and receiver. And in the second, I mean, Toledo had some good athletes. They weren't a very good football team because they weren't very good in the trenches. Notre Dame could just beat them in the trenches. When they well, at least they should have. They yeah, did defensive I, I
2: don't. Notre Dame had trouble blocking because they weren't a very good football team. Because they stunk. Game.
1: Yeah, yeah. If they'd have played them in November, I think that looks a little bit different. But they had the advantage in the trenches, and there was enough plays in there where they could sort of just exert their will and win that game. But that's the other alternative: is it's just a an ugly, scrappy, competitive four quarter game. That's also going to tell us a lot, but that's sort of the gauge that you look at because right. Tennessee State's different because you're coming back from it. There's going to be the energy of a first home game. Yeah, there's going to be the the excitement of the environment, you know, the HBCU angle. Eddie George is on the other sideline. I think I think in Tennessee State's just not good. They're, they're not a good FCS football team. And and so I don't I don't know if that's going to tell us as much, but I think that Central Michigan game also being game four is is a good gauge. So right. Tell us where they are. And then, of course, can you maintain your ability to be ready for those games? This team's going to face adversity, Tim, even even whether it's wins or losses. And I think to me, last year at times, this team did not handle adversity well in some areas and some and in other areas they did this year. You want to see them be more consistent with it. And I think that's another area where we're going to learn a lot about this head football coach, because you you barring injury you're going to be more experienced in the areas where you need to be more experienced than you were last year tackle quarterback um, you know on the perimeter middle linebacker I mean you're even more experienced than you were last year and then now you're not learning a new system on on defense as well so I think those are the areas where we're going to learn a lot about who Marcus Freeman is and his ability to build this football team and then their ability to counterpunch because you always go into every season thinking this is going to be our strength and we hear it all the time Tim we talk to ourselves oh we're going to be really good at really good at really good at this oh, yeah. then you get to the season you're like yeah we're not as good as we thought we're going to be can you adjust can you adapt can you and i thought that's something that i that, that i thought Nernan did a pretty good job of last year is they realized pretty quickly like the stanford game was sort of the eye opening experience that hey we just can't do this we can't we're you know First two games with Drew Pine and quarterback. They didn't have any film of what we're going to do. They didn't know we're going to, but they, teams quickly figured it out. And, you know, can we, can we adjust defensively, special teams wise, and offensively to say, hey, we thought we were going to be this. We don't have that guy at quarterback anymore. We now have to go here. Can you, can you adjust on the fly? It took them a little long to figure that out last year, in my opinion. And I think they got, I'll say, uh, I think
2: sometimes early success can mask who you really are. I was going to say, I, I, I yeah. think it took them a while because Drew Pine did have a great game in game number two, a good game in game number three, and a bounce back from an awful, all-time awful half in game number one. I'm sure they had a misconception of what they were because right. you saw what Drew Pine at his best would be. He wasn't always going to be at his best. They weren't going to always be at their best alongside him. Right, and I think that
1: was sort of, they didn't think enough about that guy that we saw in the first half is you know and, and even at times in the second half and that's the thing you break those that the spec especially that second game against Carolina down he played a great game but it was also your game plan was outstanding yeah I felt it's one of the best games Tom Reese has ever called and then you'd see they kind of went away from that and and uh didn't show the same faith and I think part of it was because you did have those moments where just the quarterback just wasn't quite ready to play, but then teams adjust and you had no counter punches. That, that's not going to be an excuse this year unless there's an injury, in my opinion. So you can't use that anymore. And of course, last year's came because of an injury as well. So we, we, we kind of talked a little bit with Tim about what we're going to learn. Let's talk about, get specific this 2023 team. When you look at this team, obviously last year, eight and four, regular season. I don't think that was the floor of that team. I think the floor of that team was probably another loss or two. Just once the injuries yeah. happened, another once, loss. The, yeah, or two.
2: once Tyler Buckner went down. Oh, I agree completely. Once Tyler Buckner was injured and they were zero two, eight and four was not the floor. Now I think it was the floor. It, it was probably the floor talking right now. If you're ta- if you go back in time and say, well, uh, because I really thought you, you can never plan for a season-ending injured quarterback. I really thought if Tyler Buckner got hurt. Drew Pine would come in and rally the team for one win. And then Tyler Buckner would come back. Of course, then he's mm-hmm. lost for 10 games. It's not the same thing. But no, I would have, I think I probably in our podcast and Irish Illustrated when they were 0-2, we were, nobody was predicting. I think Priester might have said 8-4, and but I think it was probably mm-hmm. 7-5. and At some point he went to 8-4 and and we're all like, eh, it's the luck of 8-4. But it ended up being 8-4. and So you're right. Once the injury happened. I mean, the floor was six and six when they're zero and two. Yeah. That's the only way of looking at it.
1: You're just hoping you get to a bowl, yeah. and then you're you're struggling against Cal for weren't they? Was it? It was ten seven at halftime. They were down, correct? Oh, or were they, they up they ten seven? So
2: we're playing terribly. They were averaging yeah. two point one yards per play on first down. They couldn't. I mean, they had oh. four three and outs. They had a fumble to go along with four yeah. three and outs. They had dropped passes. They had a missed pass for Michael Mayer. And look, they came back and played well, won the game. Two,
1: two, the seam route well, and the one he they threw into the ground. They also dropped the hail mary let's yeah.
2: be fair there was, yeah. there was a hill i, mean, I know that's a mir- that would have been a miracle yeah. tie and they would have gone for two which would have been the most exciting and angst-ridden two-point conversion wow. in notre dame history when you're zero and two and cal's going for two in the win um yeah so that, that was a bit fortunate but then they this became a better football team mm-hmm. uh save for that one loss in the middle
1: so what's the floor right now of what we know and people say well what if this guy gets hurt we, we, nah, can't. We're not. we're not we're yeah. not mind readers Sam, Sam Hartman misses one natural.
2: game. We say Sam Hartman misses one right. game cuz guys miss one game. That's right. I mean Ian okay. Book missed one game, right?
1: They're, they're probably probably winning game. most of those games unless that one game is Ohio yeah. State, Clemson, whatever. It, it would be so bad if you look if at this team, Tim. Not what the floor could be if things don't go well, but what the floor should be for this team when you combine where Notre Dame is weak and strong. The opposition because the schedule has to be taken into account. Oh, you know, that's, that's all I'm
2: taking. I'm taking into
1: I, I've said this. Right I think right I, right. I said this to you when we were having lunch the other day. I was far more impressed by the 9 and 3 2017 season than I was the 10 and 2 19 or the 11 and 1 2021 20, season
2: because yeah, of the was, quality of the
1: teams of, that they had to play and beat to get to that 9 and, and how they but, beat some of them. They hammered right. them, some of them. The 2011 team is barely 500. The 2021 team is barely 500 against the 2017 schedule. I mean, that's yeah. just how I feel about it, the way that that team played. So what I, is
2: the what is the realistic floor
1: for this football
2: team? Well, so with the three main games and with the three ACC roads, and then you throw in – I throw in Pitt because it's in a, not a great spot of the schedule either. Um, and then I have five you can't really lose. So you do start 5-0. and oh. I, When I say you can't really lose, it's kind of sad to say that because they lost to one of them last year but I don't think that's going to be the situation with, uh, with Stanford. Um, I still think the floor is eight and four because you can go t- one and two in your three big games. And you could go, if you're playing very poorly, two and two in your four other ACC games, including Pitt. That is the floor, though. I do not expect that to happen. You could also go 0-3, oh, playing well in your three big games and drop one other game of those ACC games along the way
1: so we look at floor a little differently you look at floor as what could happen and i don't disagree when i look at f- floor what i what i'm referring to is more of what should the floor be what is the floor of what is a reasonable expectation of what this team should be
2: i, I think to your i think i would say point, 9 and 3 is the reasonable floor expectation yeah. but i still think people be disappointed oh yeah and should be yeah. in my yeah, opinion yes, yes.
1: I, I think 8 and 4 to me is is it goes back to the last discussion we had. You can't say it's not possible right. based on what we saw last year. And you say, well, well, they did A, B, C, and D. The whole point when you have a first-year starter quarterback or a first-year head coach or a second-year head coach or a guy that's early in his tenure somewhere is you may think that they're going to do this or respond this way, but you don't really know. You're projecting. Well, the second half of the season, they won 6-7. to Okay, sure. But it's still the same season, you know. That yeah. there weren't a lot of teams in the second half of the season after Stanford that you should you say, well, other than Clemson, well, yeah, you should have beat that team. It would have been a pretty. I mean, Syracuse was probably the closest to a quality team, but I mean, they they they. Of course, what happened hurt. to them after their The quarterback was hurt their, as well, too. Right, and yeah. so they weren't the same team. Uh, and they weren't that good of a team either. And when you're building your resume off of beating Syracuse as your second best win, you just answered my question about how good the schedule was in the second half. And it did great against Clemson, obviously played it had a great game. But that's my, that's my thing is we have to learn about Marcus Freeman mm-hmm. to say that. When I look at floor, so I don't I'm not pushing back on what you said. I'm saying I'm looking at it differently. To me, my floor is ten and two, and the reason I say that is is because. You either have to do one of two things, in my view. You'd have to go two and one against the best teams on your schedule, and then you have room for a, a wow, that was a rough loss. Like you, you you, point to Duke, for example, right? Let's say they come out against, they beat Ohio State, and they don't handle that success well, and Riley Leonard goes off the next week. Mike Elko gets that defense ready to force some turnovers, and you you drop one. And then you rally back. Either you beat USC and then lose to Clemson, or lose to USC and beat That's Clemson. Awesome. One of those two things happens. That's to me. Or you beat the teams you're supposed to beat along the way, and then you go one and two against the the big three. The reason that I don't, the reason I don't, I, I would not be happy with nine and three because nine and three to me is basically a repeat of last year. I agree. It's, it, you're just better at quarterback, All right? So you're. So what you're telling me is not you. Generally speaking, is you're telling me Sam Hartman's only one game better than Drew Pine and Tyler Buckner. Now, well, the schedule's tough. Yeah, it's not that much tougher than last year. And your big three, you get at home two of those games where last year two of the three are on the road. And the other factor in is two of those teams are replacing quarterbacks.
2: Yes, and this year the one Ohio, Ohio ended being a situation was much harder going into the season. The game to win, opening with Tyler Buckner's first start at Ohio State and CJ Stroud than any situation is this season at all for Notre Dame. Like that, I agree. they played hard. They, as you said, they didn't play well, they played hard. But um no Notre Dame fan came away from that thinking this is going to be a rough year when they didn't beat Ohio State. No, you They're, thought boy this this yeah, team's gonna this, this team's gonna be legit too. Yeah. Um yeah. And, my and eight-
1: Harry He going to get the O line going and right. you know you had some missed opportunities and if this thing goes right that thing goes right boy man we kept CJ Stroud in check. We're gonna be pretty good on defense. Yes.
2: Now they don't have that they don't have that situation where you're like how in the world are they going to win that game. That is not a situation right. this year because the only time you're going to be a real underdog is Ohio State and that's at home and you shouldn't be a giant underdog. I I was surprised that opened at 7 points. I get it cuz it's the off season. Um but you know, I wasn't surprised when the Ohio State spread opened at 14 and a half last year. Let's put it that way cuz that could have happened. And look, Notre Dame played great and it almost didn't play great. Notre sure. Dame played hard and it almost happened. It's Yeah, cuz uh, you had
1: a missed field goal. Yeah. You had Ohio State had a drive late in the game that they could have punched one in the end zone sure, on sure. if they wanted to. Uh, yes, uh, agree with that. I, I think the thing about this year's schedule, I think you nailed it. There is no Ohio State twenty twenty two on this year's schedule. I mean, that Ohio State team, stubbed, you know, again got embarrassed by Michigan, but that that team also took Georgia down to the wire, and they're a, yeah. you know, they're a play here, a play there, a, a missed field goal, a Marvin Harrison not going down, run game just giving you three extra yards, whatever. They, they were close. They gave Georgia fits. They outplayed
2: Georgia for much of that game. I felt, at least that's how I, national I felt champion because they would have won the next game too. That's oh, how yes. to understand. Uh, although
1: I think that next game would have been more competitive because I think TCU be- was a much better matchup for Georgia yeah. or I mean for Ohio state than they exactly. were for Georgia.
2: That's just, yeah. it would have been Admitted, admittedly. My eight and floor is a floor bottoming out. No one is well, happy situation. It's I think just, it's I'm a afraid very fair way being of being looking up, at it. Tim. I mean, happening.
1: there's, there's two types of ways. Don't, you don't have to justify it. I think there's just looking at it differently when you define floor, you're trying to look at it because A, a you've been covering Notre Dame for how long?
2: Yeah. 16 years. So yeah. That's, okay.
1: Uh, We've seen a lot of that. We've seen yeah, a lot, of, seen a lot there's of, there's I've no seen way this team is worse than 10 and two turn into yeah. eight and five. <laughs> exactly. That's, you know what you I mean? Just, you
2: just mentioned half the years that happened to you. <laughs> that's
1: right. So I get it. I just think it's more of a, just how you define floor. So I have a problem with what you said and that's not a part of why I didn't give you a ton of directions because I wanted to see where you would go with that. Because I think it's fair, Tim, to look and say, I, I, I would be disappointed with eight and four, but I, I, I can't oh. sit here and tell you that you're nuts for thinking that might happen. I would just define floor differently in
2: my view. Pittsburgh is one I also think we're going to overlook when the time comes, no matter what's going on with the Panthers and Notre Dame. And it's always just a bit of a problem when you're playing Narduzzi and the and the pre Clemson situation the po it's post buy it's not post USC it's post buy mm-hmm. it, that's not a, that's just not a it's remember I say you have to generate your own you got you got to bring your own guts as Dabo Sweeney said <laughs> that that mm-hmm. is bring your own because they're yeah. bringing it and it is nothing compared to your game before and after it in your mind yeah your Notre Dame. it's just it's difficult when you're in that situation and Pitt has come into Notre Dame and given Notre Dame problems
1: even though Notre Dame has won all those games. Up and when was the last time they lost a pit wasn't it um
2: 20 pipped? had to be was it the, Kelly didn't so it had to be uh it was the, oh, he was it eight, 08 09?
1: or oh nine what was the year that golden Tate had the for the pump return that got uh yeah close Kelly,
2: Kelly lost there in 2013 but that doesn't count that's not what you're saying um, Stephon, 2 was kicked out of the game in the 2013 right. game. they wouldn't have lost
1: that game so they did lose in right. 2013 but they beat him 10 11 12 15 18 and 19 but to your point a lot of, especially the games at Notre Dame State. What's ironic, Tim, is the games at Notre Dame Stadium yes. have been more competitive than the games at Pitt. They don't the bring your own. Games, you don't
2: bring your own guts. <laughs> they, they're right. not into it the as much. It's the different.
1: last two games at Pitt, Notre Dame wiped the floor with Pitt. Yeah, I mean forty-five to three. Although it was a little closer than forty-five to three, because they had the block punt, the two uh, the interceptions Carolina, that set up the game. Yeah, that offense did not play as you know forty-five point good against Pitt. But Pitt was stunk, and they had their backup quarterback, Kenny Pickett, didn't play in that game. And and then, of course, in 2015, that game was not nearly as close as 42 to 30. I mean, not. I mean, what they had the fumble return when Brandon Wimbush was in the game, and right, right. that game wasn't. They 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 wiped the floor with Pitt that year. The games at home, however, to your point, have been a lot more competitive. You know, the 2018 game. I mean, look, you needed a fourth quarter comeback to win that game.
2: They just hang around. That's what I. Yeah. That's the concern I would have with That game
1: perfect 2012 is the second I mean that's the the last two times they've played at Notre Dame Stadium have been 15 and or I mean excuse me 18 18 12. and 12. and you've had to come back my only thing about that game is Tim is I I think history you're spot on the thing that helps Notre Dame in that game is that Phil Dracovic's probably going to be the other quarterback. quarterback yeah, quarterback that starter. does
2: change the dynamic a little bit. Yeah. Uh, they're still, it's, it's been a long time. It was a much bigger deal to the 2020 team that Phil Dracovic was well, the quarterback. But
1: it, it's, to me, it's, if Phil would have just kept his mouth shut before yeah. last year's BC game, then I don't think it, the Phil Jerkovic factor wouldn't have mattered because there's who on the team is a former teammate of Phil Jer- There aren't that many. The 19 no, it, kids, the 2019 kids are... You know, there aren't any are there any 2018 kids left on this team? No, but maybe
2: Kurt Heinisch whispering in Donovan's ear the entire week. Yeah, before.
1: But you know, some of the 2019 kids that were, you know, Phil Dracovic yeah. and Cam Hart connected on some throws on Scout team, right? Like things like that. But it was the it was the the comments he made in a game yeah. he wasn't even playing in. So it's kind of like, hey, you kind of ran your mouth and you weren't even playing us. This is our chance to kind of get it back. I think the other thing we're gonna learn about that team is is you're gonna you're gonna find out if if this team Tim specific to the pit game, there's a good chance or not good chance if Notre Dame is what we think they should be at that point, which is at worst a one-loss team, one loss team. Yeah, the, the logical
2: way to say that is they're gonna be a one loss team right there. Right. They get they get one of the two.
1: So at worst they're a one loss team. Now what we learn is we saw that Marcus Freeman can handle adversity last year. There's another side to this coin, Tim, and that is can you handle success? Mm-hmm. And so that's been the thing that's been so good about Alabama and what Kirby Smart is showing at Georgia, at least so far, is can you handle success? Meaning you go out and win big games. Can you keep that? And that's why the process that Nick Saban focuses on so much is so important and why I've always been a process over results guy, because the process never changes. It's not about them. It's about us and what we're doing but you're talking about a, an opportunity where you now have some success and we have not seen this team enter November with a sh- where they're playing for anything. I mean, they were a three-loss team when they entered November last year. They were just playing for respect at that point right, in time, There's right. nothing and they on got the it line. by by bundling Clemson. Right. You head into that Pitt game this year, Tim, and you're talking about end of end of October, October 28th, you have three games after that. You beat Pitt and that would make them what? 8 and 1 correct? Yeah, with the biggest You're game now a road Clemson game away from basically being a playoff team, essentially, or having the opportunity to be a playoff team. Yeah, yeah. That's one of those, how do you handle success moments? And it's another example of what we're going to learn about this team that we don't yet know. We don't yet know how this team will handle success. We know how they handle adversity.
2: We don't yet know how they're going to handle success. And that's something that we're going to have to learn about Marcus Freeman as well. I think most programs, including Brian Kelly, when he had it going, handled success worse than they handled failure. I think that's why the pit game comes up. Remember the pit game where they just looked awful and almost lost at home in 2018 came after the two best weeks they could have by destroying number seven Stanford. That still mattered back then because it was number seven Stanford and going out and winning the game, I think was the only one people could have picked them to lose that year at Virginia tech because they had not yet won at Virginia tech. And it was such a raucous atmosphere. And then you get pit. That is handling mm-hmm. success. That's tough. Um, you throw Northwestern in there as handling success, but that, I mean, part of that is your quarterback breaks his rib when he's running during the game and it makes it difficult to win a game. I I agree. That is that's a good judge of the coaching staff more so than anything else is the Pittsburgh game because you know you I mean everyone knows you have to be up for road games even though they're called right. Duke and Louisville. You you know you right. have to bring something on the road to win these games.
1: You think about the Stanford game in 2018, Tim. To your point. We look at Stanford now and we think, well, this team doesn't care about football. They're no good. They don't have players. Notre Dame was two and six, actually two and seven since the, yeah. since, you know, Brady Quinn, I mean, since, uh, since 2008, but they were two and six under Brian Kelly under, under, uh, against Stanford. They also lost the 09 game at Stanford. So they had really gone two and seven that, that was a team that just was dominating you. And, and they dominated stanford that night i mean early on you know kj Costello made a couple plays here and there but man they they were clearly the better team from start to finish to your point night game top 10 matchup uh, you go on the road enter the sandman virginia Tech's this they're that and and you win that game and then you like you said you come back that next week here's another example of not handling success well 2015 you know, you're you're a team that you you're in the top four. You're in the college football playoff oh, top yeah. four. You just gotta just gotta handle your business the rest of the way. You know, you just beat USC. You've you, you had a you had a really tough road win over Temple. You just blew out Pitt on the road, and you've got two bad football teams coming up in the next two weeks: Wake Forest and Boston College. Or Boston, yeah, Wake and then Boston College, and they stink. And Notre Dame made both games more competitive than they should have been. And, and even before Notre Dame lost to Stanford, they drop out of the top four
2: it, it because they didn't possible. handle success well. Yeah. All you had to do was not play the way you did against Boston right. College. And you, now they would have dropped out and lost to Stanford, but it's different. I mean, right they deserve to drop out, too. I don't think I've ever watched a team lose a game that was number four at such a crucial point and think they're going to drop them, and I don't think I have a great argument to the contrary here because you are voting on what's going on for a whole season, and that game counted. Now you talking about Stanford game? No, the, the BC game. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. now correct. I felt if they beat Stanford, they should elevate back up because that, would, yeah. that was a very good Stanford team still. Oh, yeah. um, neither one happened, obviously. Actually, we uh, have a good video of Priest and I standing under the goalpost when Conrad Ucropina drops that field goal right down to Johnny. That was an awful... That was a that was a bad moment. Uh, that wasn't a playoff team though either. That actually wasn't. They were too injured to be a playoff team at that point. They had they had incurred. Remember, Kavari Russell was already out. Oh yeah. Uh, they had lost. They had lost most of the guys. I know it got worse in Arizona because yeah, because
1: Sheldon got hurt. That probably yeah. doesn't happen. If I mean, it, you just can't repeat those type of things. The
2: Redfield suspended. It was, there right. was plenty of yeah. Do
1: those things happen if they're in a different game? That that's the stuff we don't know. Game, but, they don't know
2: those don't happen. Right.
1: And, and so, yeah, to your point, though, Tim, is like that team did not handle success well, in my opinion. They, they didn't. And we've seen that before. The 2017 team its another example of a Notre Dame team that didn't handle success oh, well. Your, uh, you, 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 yeah, you made a great point. I mean, you're coming off in 2017, you're coming off of just several beatdowns of really good football teams. And you go to Miami and complete laying egg with, a, I mean, they had got up to number three. At yeah, that well, time, the
2: college football playoff.
1: And in argue, you win out, Notre you're Dame, in. Too. Yeah, you win out, you're in.
2: There's no way Notre Dame wins out and doesn't make the college football playoff that year. If you if in you do opinion. a list of uh, name the most su- the surprising how a game unfolds covering Notre Dame football, I think that's number one for me. Is the Miami game? I was shocked that they got that offensive line got. I, I was shocked you would bring that offensive line and running game and never have a chance to win at any point during the game. Yeah. Once Brandon Wimbush missed the pass, now. It all counts, yes. when, but once you miss the pass, that counts. That's that he look. We don't give Drew Pine a pass every time for missing the pass. Brandon Wimbush had to hit that pass. Uh, Drew Pine Tim, had to, I have said, said
1: this him. a million times, bro. If Brandon Wimbush hits Equanimus, because that's the pass you're talking about, is he yeah. hits Equanimus on that post route on the opening drive? Miami folds like a cheap tent.
2: Yeah, because they they are front run. They're a front running. Their fans
1: are, their team is.
2: I shouldn't say their program is front-running. Their current program is a front-running program. Well, it's not always a front-running program.
1: Their fans have have been that way for a long time. The old program was not that way. Such a loud environment. Only because of what you did. That would have got them quiet. It would have been a completely different atmosphere. And and, and that's kind of the thing, though, is is when you look at this football team, Tim, That's this program, that's a big thing. They don't handle success well. And that's something that... If Marcus Freeman is going to take this program to the next level, yes, he has to prove that he can beat the teams he's supposed to beat, but it's way beyond that. It's can you beat the teams you're maybe not supposed to, or the teams are at least on your level, and can you handle all ranges
2: of adversity? Because adversity can be my team is not ready because they think they're better than they are. I would argue to put a bow on this, they didn't handle success well after Ohio State. That was more success than adversity. That's a good point. Everybody, they're the the ninth-ranked team in the country still. Everyone thought Notre Dame is going to be the best one-loss team. The conversation that week was nationally, well, if Notre Dame wins out, they're going to get back in this. It's game two. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, I was part of the conversation, but it's game two and you scored 10 points. We probably shouldn't have been saying if Notre Dame wins out at that point, but I think everybody was. I think that was poor. I think they handled... They probably got, if not success, they had a lot of plaudits and boys. Great job. You guys are going to be great. Don't worry about it going on after that game.
1: We heard a lot of the, boy, I gained a lot of respect for Notre Dame after this right, loss. Right. That's something I'm tired of. I'm tired of the Notre Dame program being a, a team that gains respect because the team didn't beat you as bad as everyone thought they are going to beat yeah, you. Like yeah. the 19 Georgia game, boy, I gained a lot of respect for Notre Dame. I didn't. Like, you freaking should have won that game. Like, you gave that game away. You should have beat Georgia in in 19. And, and that's something I'm, I'm tired of, of hearing Tim. And that's something I Marcus Freeman needs to change is not the, Hey, you put up a good fight. We expected you to get killed and mm-hmm. you didn't good job, you know, or where your head football coach is saying, well, we only lost Alabama by this much, but Ohio state lost by this much. I'm like, I, I hope I never hear those words come out of Marcus Freeman's mouth ever again. And, and he said that twice because he said it in 18 as well. It's yeah. like, bro, you lost by 27. The other team losing by 28 is not a moral victory for you, okay? But I don't want to hear those things, to be honest with you. Somebody just said in the chat, should have be Georgia twice? Exactly. And that's what I, I'm tired. Ta- Notre Dame has been an almost program for way too long. And it's time for him to kick that. Let's talk about, speaking of, let's talk about the f- ceiling, Tim, and what the realistic ceiling is. And let's first talk about the factors. What are the factors that bro. go into... What this ceiling could be? Obviously, it's your
2: team and your talent, but it goes beyond that, Tim. It's not just about you. No, of course not. I mean, it's it's three games where you're playing three teams that could beat anybody in the country in, in in a given day: Clemson, USC, and Ohio State. It's four viable ACC opponents. I w- it's interesting when you think about they don't have Florida State this year, which is good timing. They also <laughs> don't have they also don't have Virginia and Virginia Tech this year so where do your couple just walk through wins now wake I mean wake will be fine but Notre Dame can't lose to wake with Sam Hartman I can't yeah. I cannot envision that right now so I'm not going to envision that ever going to this game so if you look at it you're navigating seven games you're navigating some human nature in four of them and you're navigating just a really good matchup of athletes in the other three logically speaking I'm always going to set the ceiling at 11 and one there because I don't go into gears thinking so in 2020 Before the season, we do our previews, I mean, our our predict every game, which is stupid because you can't predict games when you have no idea who's quarterbacking. (laughs) It is fun. fun. It's It's the only time I went through a whole season and got it right, including the rematch loss in the ACC championship game to Clemson and the playoff loss to Alabama, because it was so obvious only a couple teams could beat Notre Dame, Clemson, Clemson. The better playoff team, because you knew they were going to be a better playoff team when you looked at no- Notre Dame had a great offensive line. We didn't know Kyron Williams was a great running back yet. They had a good quarterback. They had a good defensive line. There was a ceiling there. You figured they could maybe beat Clemson, but they weren't going to beat Clemson twice, right? That was an easy one to predict. I have trouble predicting the Ohio State, USC, and Clemson games in that if I pick any to go 2-1 and one or 1-2 one and two or 3-0, and oh, I guess it's mathematically impossible. Two and oh or one and two, I could be wrong on both sides. Like I, I might get the USC game wrong, the Clemson game right, the Ohio State game wrong, or vice versa. There's so many it's just four good teams playing against each other in mm-hmm. those three matchups. There was no way Notre Dame was sweeping Clemson going into that year or when that year started and Trevor Lawrence came back to play that game.
1: No. No.
2: And I mean I, I guess I, if DJ played, they could have swept Clemson again, but that would be a Possibly.
1: Situation. And, and Probably, I think, yeah. I think that's, I think, I mean, yeah. I, in the, the frustrating thing is, is because they actually came out moving the ball very well against Clemson early yeah. on and got three points out of it. You know, I mean, you, you got into Clemson territory on your, right. each of your that's first right. three drives. So you had a chance early to jump on them and you couldn't do it. And, and so to Warren me, was always I,
2: there though for the next five right. minutes. He's,
1: so to me, when I say, when I say ceiling, I don't, I don't, I don't think it like for the purpose of this conversation, you're not feeling to me.
2: Yeah. What's that? You're not saying necessarily two and one and three, and oh against those other teams. You're saying how good is this team with Sam Hartman and the talent? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, like when well,
1: I say like ceiling is anything can happen, right? They could go 12 and oh, and, and, you know, it yeah. could, could happen, but it's like, what is it? You want to be realistic, right? Like to me, what is the kind of ceiling that you say, this would be realistic and this would give them a chance to go into the postseason and be a, a playoff team? And to your point, I, I think 11-1 and one is, is exactly where it should be because the nature of who you are, you do get your, I would argue, two toughest opponents at home. I think Clemson yeah. could end up being better by the end of the year because I, I I think Clemson is going to be better this year than they were last year because they're going to be so much better on offense, I think, yeah. by that time. But you know, right now, I think with what we know, that's a projection of what we know. I think Ohio State and USC are their two toughest opponents. They get them both at home, and and I think that another team that has given them problems, as you said, has played them in really tough games, is a pit team, and you get them at home, and and I think that helps. And and then I think the NC State game, which is another dangerous game that not enough people are talking about with Robert and I as the offensive coordinator. Including so, right, so far. Yeah, uh, is, spaced perfectly for them. Right. It's perfectly placed yeah. for Notre Dame. It's game three because you're getting an extra game on NC State because NC State doesn't start till week one. You're starting week zero. So you get which doesn't necessarily help you defensively because one of those weeks is just a waste in, in regard to building for an NC right. State, but it helps you offensively. And that's the side of the ball where Notre Dame needs to make growth, make make the most growth to be able to win a game like that. Because defensively, you've seen Robert and I twice now with two completely different teams. You know how he adjusts to different personnel. You saw him at Syracuse last year. You saw him at uh, Virginia the year before with different personnel. Now, we've never seen him with Notre Dame against Notre Dame with Brendan Armstrong, but what's Brendan Armstrong going to be? Is he going to be the guy last year, the guy two years ago, someone in between? We don't know the answer to that, but it's going to be a tough game because Tony Gibson's going to have that defense ready to play. It's also a defense that Sam Hartman's familiar with. They're also familiar with Sam Hartman. Yeah, that I was so gonna say that goes. It, yeah, it, it, it's so it, it's going to be a, an intriguing matchup, but it's still a game Notre Dame should win, and I think it's placed perfectly for them in in week three. But it's not going to be a cakewalk. So, to me, either you go three and zero against the big three, and 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 have a an NC State Duke type of loss or you go two and one and then don't have those upsets to me is, is where I see the ceiling being
2: 11 and one, because I think against this, I think 11 and one gets Notre Dame the college football playoff. I do too. I do. And it's also important when we talk about schedules and playoff and everything, we are talking about qualifying for the playoff, getting right. into the playoff. And then we'll get to see how we, cause we don't know how good Notre Dame can actually be until we see them play some football this year. Like we right. think they are a, I think they're a major six for sure. Maybe, is it New Year six now? Is New, New Year year's six, six yeah. New Year six quality team that can be a playoff quality team. But I am not prepared to say that they are a playoff win the game team. That because that's as we know that is very difficult to do. Now they have a the quarterback get... to do it for the first time
1: since that's that's where a lo- yeah. yeah yeah sorry that's where a lot of the optimism comes from Tim right and, and it and this is what I was for, kind of thinking in my head when I say it's not just about you it's about what's around you and that's the unique opportunity Notre name has is because. Alabama we not only do we not know who their quarterback is going to be this isn't like okay it's a battle between Mac Jones and Bryce Young or who's going to be the starter Jalen Hurts who led them to the championship game last year or Tua right it's a you know what I mean like right, it's a different right. kind of quarterback battle it's, yes. it's more of a Blake Barnett yeah. Jacob Coker quarterback battle
2: it's a lot different and, kind of quarterback battle from, yeah. from Jalen Hurts too, oh, I'm trying to be
1: nice I'm trying to be nice okay um but, and, and then you look at Ohio State, it, their quarterback's going to put up numbers, but is he going to be the impact guy on top of the numbers? We don't know the answer to that. Georgia you know, is going to have a new quarterback. Is, I want to be fair to Ohio
2: State, whoever, whoever's Ohio's whoever wins that, I mean, I know it's going to win the job, but whoever wins the job at Ohio State, CJ Stroud was a superhuman against Georgia, yeah. and he... In this, when he needed to be in the final twenty minutes against Notre Dame, was a magician to make the plays he made. Made some very tough throws. I mean, Notre Dame might have bottled up their offense. C.J. Stroud was a winning quarterback in that game, and there's a reason that that he was the difference maker in that game. The stats don't matter when you play the way he played when the chips were down. Who's, now, will that happen again? That's why I say right. Trevor Lawrence was going to beat Notre Dame in that second game. You talk about, let's say Notre Dame goes down and scores 17 points in their first three drives. All right, well, now we have 35 more minutes of Trevor Lawrence. So <laughs> it's different than if it's deep. Buckle
1: up, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Buckle <you> up. <laughs> Brace yourself because here it comes. That's, I mean, it's, and we, and how do, why do you say that, Tim? Well, because we saw it. It was, did you watch the semifinal game the year before right, right. when Ohio State jumped up 16 nothing? Trevor's like, I got this. You guys can't catch passes and get open. Fine. I'll go run for a hundred yards. You know you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, he was that kind of player to your, to your point. And you, you don't know that those teams have that this year. And that was kind of where I'm going with it is outside of, USA. I mean, Notre Dame's going to have a, a quarterback that's proven this year, but he's not proven in this uniform with this team in this system, but he's a sixth year senior. There's a level of expectation of, it. he's not going to go from here to here in the new system, but with those others, Georgia, it's a question mark. Who's their quarterback going to be? You know, Stetson Bennett was no star in my opinion, but you know what? That kid
2: at the end of his career.
1: Yes. And he went, he was big in big games. Yeah. We we knew he was going to make big plays late in the game. He could make the plays and CJ couldn't or I don't say couldn't didn't part of that's your team and other factors. I get all that, but that's just the reality of it. He was going to make plays when they needed him to make plays I think Carson Beck's more physically talented probably than Stetson Bennett, but that doesn't mean a whole lot. You know, Phil Djokovic was more mental, was more physically talented than Ian Book was. Ian Book, Brandon Wimbush was more physically talented than Ian Book was in a lot of areas. So you, that to me is part of the optimism too is there's just some years, Tim, where it's something you and I were discussing before the show. And I feel Notre Dame's had two teams that were capable of winning a championship in the years that they were playing for one. It was 15 Notre Dame. And 17 Notre Dame. And if a couple things would have gone differently, those teams were championship caliber outside of one one thing and two, you know, 17, 15, it was the D coordinator. And yeah. then in 17, it was the quarterback late in the year. But those teams, in a lot of ways, because of why? Because that 15 team could have beaten Jacob, a uh, Jacob Coker, Alabama in the championship game. We knew they could go toe to toe with Clemson. We saw them do it. In 17, we saw them go toe to toe with the national runners up who took BAM, because that was not a great Bama team you put either one of those teams in 19 and their double digit blowout losses, probably to 19 Clump to LSU. They're just, it just 18 Clemson. They would have had it. Those teams too would have, it, it would have been more competitive year. than the 18 team was. But to me, 18 Clemson against 15 Notre Dame would have looked a lot like the Fiesta bowl that year where you got enough firepower to constantly get it within a score, but then they're going to go right down the field and score on you. You know what I mean? And that's just to me, the, the way that it was, that's part of it too. There is no LSU 2019. I don't, at least that we know of right now. I mean, that team may emerge. I thought LSU was going to be good. I actually predicted LSU to be a playoff team that year. I know. Fighting. I remember. I I didn't predict that. I somehow you know what I mean like
2: I, that's the year I somehow won the bet, even though you got LSU yeah. in the playoffs. So I'm not sure who else you missed on there because you did have LSU going to the playoffs. Well, You
1: suckered me into that last bet. You're like, Hey, let's just you know We had a, t- so, so, so people understand we, Tim and I do sort of a friendly bet every year where we'll make a bunch of predictions about the team and college football and, and then the winner buys the other one dinner, and we tied, I believe, that year. And so we're yeah. like, "Hey, let's pick on the playoff game and or the championship game." And Tim's like, "You know, I, I you know, kind of so hinted that he liked said, LSU, let's so. the
2: championship game." And he said, "I'll take Clemson." And I was like, "I'll take LSU. I'll take LSU." Well, it wasn't right quite now. like
1: that. It was kind of like giving you giving <laughs> you one because you were talking about how much you loved LSU and everything. So I was like, oh, "I'll take Clemson." Uh, but I believe I picked LSU to win that game. But the point is, we don't know if that team is out there. I don't think that it is. I don't see that this year. We don't. I don't see a 2018 Clemson. Yeah, we'll have out to see Georgia's this offense.
2: year. We'll have to see Georgia's offense. And uh, the problem with Georgia is, uh, it's going to be hard for them to be challenged too often with their schedule this year. Um, so we might not know when they win every game by 14 points. Going into the SEC championship game, how good they actually? Right. I mean, I'm not. They're going to be very good, obviously. But if if they're yeah, yeah are they are they 18 Clemson, 19 LSU, or even are 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 they 22 Georgia? Probably not. Yeah, I don't think 22 Georgia.
1: Yeah, well, which which well, let me ask you this: Which Georgia team do you think was the best, 21 or because I actually like the 21 team because I think they're uh, so much better on defense. Yeah,
2: they, well, the defense was ridiculous, but the 22 team also had that mental edge. The hardened, broken, broken spirits from—I I just thought they had that mental edge of a champion the entire time. Where you're like, it is going to take a lot to dethrone this team, man. But yeah. It, the, not not often do you see the the championship medal go through the whole year. And I thought yeah. I, I did not think they would. I didn't think Ohio State would play them as close as they did. um I thought Ohio State played a good, great game that day. And then, obviously, the, the championship game was over before it started. I actually uh predicted Ohio they beat a State lot better team. They beat a lot better team in 21 to your point. Yes.
1: I actually predicted Ohio State to win that game. 38-35. And there was a point in that game where it was 38-35 Ohio State because the one Achilles heel that Georgia's had the last two years is if you can throw the football and protect your quarterback, you can rip you can rip this defense up a little bit. We saw that with at the SEC title game the year before. We saw that uh you know in, yeah, in some other good. instances. Yep. We saw that with Ohio State last year. They, they could give CJ Stroud time and he could make plays. And of course, he had big time receivers, uh, which helps. I mean, it helps when you're throwing to Marvin Harrison, you know, but they had that guy, those same people against Michigan and they couldn't, couldn't do anything. You know, they couldn't do anything in the second half. So I do think football is such a matchups game. It, it really is. And, and I don't see them being necessarily a whole lot better there this year, although I think they've recruited that position well. But I'm also curious to see how Georgia's going to handle – it's not always the one year that you lose a lot of players. It's the second year Yeah, no, it's, that it you lose up, a lot of Talent grain adds up on a couple of – Yeah. And, and and then you see some guys leaving through the portal, you know, Bear Alexander leaving to take a buyout at USC, a payout at USC, those type of things. So that's what I'm very curious about. But to your point, they're not going to be a super battle-tested team by the time they get to the postseason, Tim. They're really not. I mean, they got they got Tennessee on the road – that could be a tough game could be a tough game but before that they're ut martin ball state south carolina uab at home at auburn home against kentucky at vanderbilt by week florida in the in jacksonville are, are they they're, they're moving that game this year right they're coming back in twenty four because there were some field issues or something like that it's going to be on a neutral field yeah. somewhere and then 20 then missouri at home old miss at home at tennessee at georgia tech so other than you know, at Tennessee, those are all games they should they should win. It's not a tough schedule. And then I, who's the winner of the SEC West? We don't you know. Is it going to be LSU again? Is it going to be is Bama going to bounce back? We'll we'll find out. But they're not going to be super battle tested. But Georgia's always been a team that Notre Dame has matched up well against. Yeah, that's the other part of it because Notre Dame is one of the few teams that on talent has been able to compete with them in the trenches where they don't just dominate you in the trenches. Now the reason Notre Dame lost to them in 2017 is because Notre Dame couldn't dominate them in the trenches, like they did everybody else. But it was at least a stalemate. And and, and, you know, I thought Notre Dame's D line outplayed Georgia's offensive line, and I thought Georgia's defensive line outplayed Notre Dame's offensive line. And they were helped by the fact the backs made some really bad reads in that game, as well. So those are all factors that go into what your ceiling is, and can you be a title team? Who, who, who? Let me let me hear about the other teams in the country. Oh, they all have. Heisman trophy guys coming back. Okay. That's a problem. Cause like USC to me is not one of those teams, Tim, because no, I, I'll it's say it's this. their quarter, their quarterback is, but not directly. Exactly. Yeah. You yeah. take, you take Bryce young off of that 2021 Alabama team. They're still 10 and two, maybe even still 11 and one. Yeah. They're just going to out talent people. You take Bryce off of this year's Alabama team. I don't know that they're 10 and two. I, I you know, I just, you take Caleb Smith. Okay. You take, Stetson Bennett and replace him with Carson Beck. That team's still in the playoffs, in my opinion. Now, do they win it all? Do they beat Ohio State? No, I don't think that State they do. Or, yeah. But they're still a playoff team. But you you take Caleb Williams off that USC team last year, and they're struggling to make a bowl game, in my opinion. I, he, I really he, believe you made that.
2: everything go because first of exactly. all,
1: exactly, he gave you hope also for all the players right. that you, you don't lose to, to Oregon Hunter. State, you might lose to Washington State. You know, there's a lot you you lost to Utah. There's some you you, you lose to Notre Dame. I yep. mean, in my opinion, the way that Notre Dame ripped up their defense, he makes them way better than they are. Now they're ascending and they're getting there and the talent is getting better and better and better. The culture, we'll see if the culture gets a whole lot better. But it, it's a different animal than Ohio State and those teams. And so that's kind of the thing that kind of encourages me is, is that plus the reality of you have a quarterback that you think actually gives you a chance to to be that kind of guy. Because I'm like, look, at at, at Clemson – I mean at Wake Forest Tim I've pointed this out. I mean Sam Hartman last year goes out and throws for what 330 some yards and six touchdowns and leads his team to 45 points against Clemson and then they lose. You know, they've scored 34, 55 and 52 points in the last 3 years against North Carolina and he's thrown for over 300 yards in each game, thrown for 3 to 4 touchdowns every game and they're 0 yeah. 3 in those games. Right? It's like it, you you think like you give him that kind of team here that he's going to have what's he going to do and i think that's where some of the excitement comes from but it's also the fact that i just don't see those other teams being what they've been they're still going to be very very good but you feel at least the gap is closed in that regard because of the quarterback situation
2: going both directions 2018 after the playoffs, because of what they did at Notre Dame and Alabama, people were saying, Is this Clemson team one of the best college football teams of all time? 2019, after the LSU championship, you thought, Is this LSU the best offense of all time with a great defense? 2020, after the, even though it was a weird year, <laughs> you thought three of the five Heisman finalists and the Joe Moore Award offensive line is Alabama's offense and a defensive line that handled Notre Dame pretty well. Yeah. Playoff team that handled everybody else well with their offensive line. That is another really great team your Georgia team in 2021, one of the best defenses of all time in college football. That wasn't Georgia last year, I agree, no. and that doesn't seem like anybody this year.
1: Mm-mm. Right.
2: So there's there, we went through four years where we were people were arguing, right or wrong, about one of the best offenses, defenses, or total teams of all time. That Clemson team's defensive line was better than Trevor Lawrence going to the playoffs? We just found mm-hmm. out how good Trevor Lawrence was during the playoffs, and right, no longer were they better than Trevor Lawrence. But that's fine. I mean, and the, as you pointed out the other day, they were playing without their nose tackle for the entire playoff.
1: Right, Dexter, who's a first round stinking draft yeah. pick.
2: You think Notre Dame beating someone in 2018 without Jerry Tillery? Both playoff teams. Well, yeah. T- I mean, take
1: anyone of the defensive line. Yeah, off. Be, it, you know, and and that's the interesting thing about this year, Tim, that I'm I'm very much looking forward to. I, I really am i think it's going to be interesting because and it makes for a fun forgetting another name it makes for a fun season i mean that that's my whole thing is every team has bigger question marks than normal like last year was like the question what was the question on georgia last year can they stay focused like that right. was it there was no was roster good. flaw that you look so boy that that could hurt them this year and it's like no they're pretty floated everywhere they lost 15 guys like seven of them were backups you know what i mean like i mean their third string tight end got drafted you know it was like backup offensive linemen i mean literally literally backup offensive linemen get drafted they didn't have the same like they're losing 15 wasn't like lsu losing 15 Yeah. yeah and 19 like they were just i mean their roster was just depleted after that 28 19 season. I mean, they lost all the stars that factored into it. Georgia still had Jalen Carter and Brock Bowers and still plenty of guys coming back. And, and, and so it's going to be fun, Tim. It's going to make for a, I think a fun football. I think the sec is going to be a very competitive league this year. I think the big 10 is going to be to me very competitive. I think there's three teams in the big 10 that have a shot to, to win the league this year, because uh, you know, I, I think Penn State's getting better. I think Michigan's yeah. going to be a step down. Ohio is going to be a step down. Penn State, I think, might be a yep. step up if Drew Aller can figure, you know, can, can give some consistency. The Big 12 is going to be fascinating. The, and, and a battle that not a lot of people are talking about. I think the Pac-12 is going to have one of the most competitive, who's number one, two battles. in, in Because you obviously Washington and USC. Right. But, I mean, Utah's going to, I mean, why are we not talking about the two-time Pac-12 champs you know, back-to-back Pac-12 yeah. champs is being a contender. I think Washington State's in the Sunday program. I'm really looking forward to seeing what Oregon State's going to do this season. Jonathan Smith's building a really good football team at, at Oregon State. This is going to be – a Oregon, obviously, is another team that's going to be in this conversation. It's going to be a competitive year, and it's one of those times where if Notre Dame can handle their business, part of the thing that – if you get to the playoff, what helps Notre Dame is you might knock out two to three teams that are capable of playing for a championship in the regular season. You can if you're well, in the yeah, playoff, you, you at least out. knock
2: two of them out. You would knock two of them out for sure, right? Yeah, and one of them, and Notre Dame, and this is a year where because of their schedule and last year, uh, Notre Dame can lose a game, yes, and make the playoff. That that yes. was also not the case in other years. They would not have made right. the playoff in 2020, save for the fact they could have won the ACC. Technically, could have won the ACC championship game, which I just didn't think was possible. Right. But that was, uh, yeah, that that was not a playoff. If you lose that Clemson game, you're out of the picture for the playoffs. Yes, for,
1: and should have been. Yeah, Yeah,
2: that's the way the schedule breaks then in right. t- 2019. I mean, I guess it took the Michigan loss, but they weren't going to. Beating Michigan when they got destroyed wasn't getting in the playoff. Anyway, that 2019 team, they were they had a really impressive loss but you didn't feel like, boy, they deserve to go to the playoff if they could beat me. First of all, just they got beaten so badly by Michigan. It doesn't really matter right. how, you, how you go back and think about it. But.
1: And that Michigan team was ranked 19th at the time.
2: Yeah, that's not If Notre same. Dame
1: beats them, they were coming off of a loss to Penn State. They had already dropped two games. They still had Ohio State to come. Right. Uh, they had lost. Remember, they got blown out by Wisconsin that year. They probably dropped near the bottom of the top 25, if not out, if Notre Dame beats them. So you'd have what would what would be in this? I've pointed this out in nineteen. Notre Dame's only win over ranked opponent that year was Navy, that was it? And you know, so you lost the a uh, one lost Notre Dame team that year. I don't know that they're in, but this is, year is and right. this year is right. And I'm glad that nineteen team didn't get in because that would have been ugly. Those because it would have been what the nineteen you'd have had. I think Oklahoma probably doesn't get in. Would you agree with that? I think Oklahoma was the four seed that year, correct? Right, right. So if Notre Dame were to get in, if this is the, the, you know, let's say they go on the road, blow Michigan out, and just blow everybody out, and, you know, they're like, wow, did you see how well they played Georgia, blah, 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 whatever, they make the playoff. I think they're in over Oklahoma. That's just, I mean, let's see. They would get in over Oklahoma if they got in is the argument I'm making. I'm not saying they should have. I'm saying they would have. They would have got in over Oklahoma. They're playing LSU in the first round.
2: That's somehow I didn't put that together out of the way. Right away, that yeah. would be it. That would be a problem. That'd be a problem. And let's just say hypothetically.
1: Hypothetically. Don't even. Don't even say hypothetically. They are no, 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 no. Okay. They get a three seed. That's my. Right, right, right. No, right. No. Come on, Tim, right, Brian. We're in fantasy land now, man. Okay, yeah. like
2: you know, uh you threw sixty touchdowns, Brian, and I'm not talking yeah. about his career. I'm not talking <laughs> no. about his career. I'm no, 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 fantasy. no, <laughs> so, no. What I'm saying is, let's say hypothetically,
1: somehow Notre Dame gets in as a Three seed for some reason I don't know why that would happen or how that would happen or whatever I mean because uh, Clemson was the was the three seed right and Ohio State was the two seed I don't know let's just say somehow they get in let's say I don't know um, LSU loses to I'm sexy let me go to Clemson so let's say Clemson loses to I don't know they blew everyone out that year let's say yeah. they lose at North Carolina that was the only competitive game they played all year it's literally the only competitive game they played all year. They won twenty-one to twenty. Remember that game?
2: Yeah. Let's say they Notre lose that game,
1: and somehow Notre Dame's a three seed. The year. same thing happens against Ohio State. I mean, yeah. if Ohio State loses a game and they're playing Clemson, I mean, that team was going to get destroyed by whoever they played. Like the gap between Notre Dame and those teams is enormous. It is enormous. If it wasn't Michigan, right? <laughs> this year is 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 a year where you don't feel that way for a host of reasons. You know, it, skill, talent that it, it has potential, and that's where we're going to end this one, Tim is. If Notre Dame is going to reach their their um, their ceiling, what are the things that have to happen? What are the things that have to not go right? Like okay, everything goes, but realistically, what will happen if
2: this team is eleven and one in in a playoff spot? What needs to go right for them to get there? Tim, we discussed uh, where the playoff value is on Notre Dame's roster on Irish Illustrated's podcast and quarterback cornerback starting running back offensive line because as much as you can say they need to find one starting guard I mean compared to everywhere in the country let's go ahead and start with a the two tackles Notre Dame has Let, let's start with what Notre Dame has at offensive line and go against somebody else and try to tell me they're not a playoff caliber offensive line so offensive line cornerback starting running back quarterback are playoff caliber I think with the youth at linebacker augmenting the veterans at linebacker it's a quality New Year Six group, assuming that Youth Act does augment the starters at linebacker. I really like their backup linebackers, which is I liked Prince Kali too, actually. But when Prince Kali left, I thought, well, he left and Jalen Sneed will play more Will now. And Nolan ziggler can play more Mike and he'd be the backup. And I love Osberry's future. Plus, Rover's not even a starting position anymore. (laughs) It's It's, it's really not. The nickel position is the starting position, and Jack Kaiser can move over to Will. So I like that. I like the linebacker group at that level. I wouldn't put him playoff level yet. If all those teams, if all those positions I just said play where I think they can play, that's the first thing that happens to me to make the playoffs. Your best players, I think your best players are indeed your best players. They play like your best players. None of these games, like, well, yeah, he played well against North Carolina, but did you see what happened to him against Stanford? That that's not supposed to happen when they're your best right. players. I want to keep the other position groups out of it because I no one can really come on and say safety is a playoff level safety group to me right now. I'm just we're just keep that out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two is I think Ohio State, USC, and Clemson have to be really good yeah. because you have to be allowed to lose to one of them and impress everybody when you beat the other two. This is right. a weird feeling for people, but you're going to be rooting for USC. Yeah. You need USC Same to be a game. Same with Ohio State.
1: If you win, if you win that game. Well, yeah. if you yeah. win that game or if you lose that game, you need that team doing. to just blow everyone else out. I mean, yeah. you know, you lose to Ohio State, they kick a the last-second field goal, and then they just
2: annihilate everyone else. Like, right. okay, yeah, you're, you're you're
1: probably a playoff team.
2: I think you need a guy to emerge at receiver. Um, I think Jaden Thomas has the lowest floor. Excuse me, has the highest floor. I said that completely yeah, wrong. I know what you Jaden mean. Thomas has the highest floor. Uh, I want to see – Pete Samson made a good point on our podcast. He said – what if Tobias Merriweather played in the blue gold game with Sam Hartman? He might've looked a little bit better than Jaden Greathouse did that day. And yeah, that's right. true. So right. Tobias Merriweather or Jaden Greathouse, I think they need a receiver to step up beyond who we think will step up. Like right. I think Tobias will step up. Can Greathouse become a starter at the end of the year? Can, can Chris Tyree become what the coaches keep saying? That's can a be? big one. Yeah. So somebody there. And then finally, this is people took this wrong because people take things wrong, but I meant it as I said it. I like Notre Dame's defensive line but I see at the playoff level, eight really good backups.
1: As of Howard right now? Uh, as of, as now, of right now? As of right now, I see eight sure. good
2: backups. I don't sure. see... And now, Gabriel Rubio could be a start. Maybe Gabriel Rubio emerges. Maybe Howard Cross has 12 games like he played September and stays healthy because he gets time with guys like him. Or like he him. did
1: in the bowl game when he was right, fresh. Right. Or maybe Jordan
2: Maybe right. Jordan Batello has a bowl game season right. seven times against the seven best teams when he comes yeah. to play. He can go ahead and not play well against Tennessee State. It's going to be Jordan okay. Patel
1: needs to play five, play, play yeah. great in five games. That's it. Like seriously, play great against NC State, Ohio State, Duke, USC, and Clemson. That yeah. that's it, dude. Give me so that. that
2: my third one would be the defensive line is not eight good backup defensive linemen for a playoff yeah. team. I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say this for you, Tim. I'm gonna give you a better way of saying that. That's not going to piss people off. It can't go worse. Right. Right. I'm going to give you a better way of saying it. That's not going to piss people off, even though I'm saying the exact same thing you're saying. The defensive line conversation needs to turn from potential to production. Because the reality is, is I think you would agree that there's a lot of guys on that D-line that have the potential to be much better than what you're referring to. Yeah. 10. Maybe. I think, I think 10 possibly. Yeah. I think yeah. Jordan himself could be a stud, but you know what? He's had like two games like that in his entire career. Guy's going to be a senior. It's not talking about like some red shirt freshman, like Josh Burnham, right? We're talking yeah. about, you know, Josh Burnham's a freaky athlete. Javante Jean Baptiste has some skill. Riley Mills, I think flashes some really impact ability, go down the line with those type of guys. But right now it's all potential could be conversation. So to me, to your point, if the if the conversation of the defensive line is about their production and not their potential, because if they're not producing, we're still talking potential. Yeah. Yep. Right. If it becomes about their production and not their potential, then I get to be pretty good. And it reminds me a lot of the 2018 off defensive line. Where in 17 you saw flashes of what Dalen Hayes could, could Kareem be, could Kareem be. could yeah. be, Tillery could be, but in 18 they kind of all put it together and they went from a bunch of guys with potential to well let's see what they could do now to you had NFL guys coming off the bench on that 2018 team right, on right. the edge and so to me that's kind of where this defensive line is is can they sure Jordan Patel has got the potential to do it but like there's this assumption I think amongst their name fans well yeah of course he's going to play like the ball game every year really why hasn't he done it then? Yeah, right. Why why did it not take till then? I mean, so he's got to show it consistently. I think Riley Mills played well in that game. I mean, he had some big moments in that game. He said when, but can he do it consistently and not just flash a series here and there? I mean, for the last two years. When you take the best ten series that Riley Mills has had, it's really good. I yeah, got back. back to the, Virginia, they, they moved him
2: inside for Virginia when he was playing outside, and he was the best player on the field. That was actually the opposite. Opposite way inside yeah, yeah. to moved him outside when he was playing why inside. We he should play outside all of a sudden, right?
1: Right. And then they put him there, and then they don't use him the same way this year. You go back and watch him against Wisconsin in twenty twenty one. He was really good that day. But can he do that against Ohio State this year? Can he? Because yeah. because he didn't last year in those big games. Can he do it against Clemson? Can he? So, those are the things, Tim. It's always about, I think you nailed it with that one because you can't at Notre Dame because you're not going to have a Joe Burrow 49 point per game offense. I love Sam Hartman. I love the receivers. They're not that. I love Tobias Merriweather. He's not Jamar Chase, right? I think Deion Coles has got a lot of potential, he's not Justin Jefferson. If he pans out, that they're just not that team. Just,
2: just say 60 every time you want to think about Joe Burrow. That's 60. Right. Any year. They can't it's afford
1: to, to not have a an elite def- or I mean a big time defense. I don't think it has to be elite. It has to be really good. They can't be a playoff team if they're not really good. They play because they play too many good offenses. Every yeah. team that they play this year that's gonna be that's gonna be their their big games, they're gonna have to come up with a lot of stops because they're too good on offense. And so if you're not playing good on defense on the defensive line, you're a linebacker—you don't have Jalen Smith at linebacker. You can you can talk about oh, I like the veterans, and I do as well. I defend J.D. Bertrand and Jack Kaiser on the show all the time. I love the backups, but they're not Jalen Smith. It's no, not, and that's why I it's can never elevate them and, to the other yeah, level, like right? Corners. It's not like, tra- even tranquil and Coney in eighteen was yeah. a really dynamic one-two punch inside. I don't I don't see that right now from like Kaiser and Bertrand. They're not that good to that level. And so, to me, but they have he, better backups because Coney and Tranquil couldn't come out of a game ever. Correct. Because when when Tranquil went down, you brought in Drew White, right? Who was I think a redshirt freshman that year. Yeah. And 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 uh, Osmar hadn't had his breakout yet. No, no, no. And no. Jeremiah Wusukormo was hurt. He yep. was out all year. Got hurt. After he went out for the year again. It was a second game of the year, right? Yeah. It was after Michigan, so I forget which. It was practice it's week, t- I think. Yeah. Yeah, who'd they play second week of it? Ball State. State. Ball State. Yeah, he got hurt either the week before or the week after that game. I can't remember. So, to your point, yes, they didn't have the depth. My, my point, however, is they don't have the kind of players where if the D line's not playing well, they can still go make plays. They don't have Jalen Smith. No, that's they can do true. That. They don't have Jeremiah Moa, And that's why the defensive line is look, I don't care how, I love Nurem's corners. I think this is the best cornerback room that Nurim has had since Lou Holtz was the head coach. Oh, no, there's no, there's no. I know no the 2018, to your point. The 2018 team was pretty good in the starting lineup. Will this team be as good in the starting lineup as that? We'll see. But, but it's the depth. Are,
2: but yes, yes, yes. I mean the 22, the 2002 corners were probably better than any than this pair. But once maybe. one guy got hurt, it was over. Yeah, it was, I mean that was it. Of
1: what we know about them, maybe. Now yeah. I think this tandem has a chance yeah. to be the best cornerback tandem they've had since what. You say like Tom? Who's Tom? Who was the sidekick to Tom Carter in twenty twenty? Well, they were so good; 90s. they were
2: able to move Bobby Taylor to safety. Is how good yeah. it was when Tom Carter it's, was there in ninety two. Yeah, so.
1: I mean, so yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of, but but I don't care how good you are at corner, if your defensive line can't put pressure on the quarterback at Ohio State and USC, and then it doesn't matter. It they're going to eventually make plays. Yeah. It doesn't matter. So I I think that's the the, the to me quarterback on offense and defensive line are that if I had to pick one position on both sides of the ball that has to play at a big time level or they can't win I think the receivers don't have to be big time they don't need they don't need Tobias to be Will Fuller 2015 they don't need Deion Colsey to be even Miles in 2018 they just need those guys to make plays and the ball comes your way there's enough spread around talent y- your offensive line has to be pretty good but your offensive line can be great and you're quarterback not be very good and you still lose we've seen a lot of that i would be surprised if
2: that happens to sam hartman though if he has a really good offensive line because correct the the running game will then allow him to dictate. correct
1: that's why i think that this team is going to be pretty good but it needs to happen it needs to He needs to be that guy in my opinion and then the defensive line has to play at a high level now the the side now it comes to what are the complementary pieces look like to your point It's not even just about when I think of so and so has to step up, Tim. It's not so that means Tobias has to have 75 catches for 1,200 yards. It's not what I'm talking about. It's yeah, you got to be productive, but when it's third and seven and you're down four and you're playing Ohio State, can you go make that big play? Because I, I, oh, Will Fuller dropped too many passes. Well, he never did when it mattered. I mean, that. He was money. He was clutch. He was going to make plays when you needed him. To, you know, Temple, USC. You know, all all the time. He did. You know, LSU, in in 2014 in the bowl game, made some really clutch. Remember the one where Ever just like throws it up, and you're like, "Where's yeah. that going?" And like, Will goes up and catches it. You need those guys who are going to make those those money plays, and that's that's the thing. When Marvin went out against in the in the semifinal, none of the Ohio State receivers did that. So talented guys, but at the end of the day. Who's going to step up and make those big plays? They did that against Notre Dame. When C.J. was putting those balls into tight windows, they were making those catches on the sideline. So it even doesn't, it's not necessarily necessary about who becomes the guy from a Michael Floyd, Will Fuller, Golden Tate production standpoint. It's more about do they make the money plays in the big games? That's what you need to see. And it can it be more than one? It can't just be Tobias because in those situations, like it I'd wasn't Will Fuller that made the money plays against yeah. Boston College. It was Chris Brown. Will had I'd probably the worst game one. of his season that year because he had like, two bad drops and you know but it, chris brown stepped up amir had some big plays that year in some clutch moments and that's that's the question that i'm going to have is what are the complementary pieces look like and then the other part is to me they need about three or four guys that we're not sure of right now to step up and be guys i'm thinking of uh do i like the potential of the backup running backs i do but right now i have no clue who's going to even be healthy much less who's going to be that yeah. number two guy yeah Right? Because you're going to need that guy at some point in time
0: next
2: year. Oh, yeah. It's the, the, the whole narrative that they didn't need Logan Diggs. I mean, what if you got the equivalent of Logan Diggs in the transfer polter right now? <laughs> you'd be pretty excited. If Notre Dame went <laughs> out and
1: got a running back that had 822 yards last year and had a couple hundred yards receiving, and, and you'd be like, oh,
2: wow, that's a great addition to the roster. But when it's going outward, ah, it's no better. you are fine. Uh, fine. That that, fine. that does matter. Yeah. Estimate staying healthy, and more so than that is, well, not more so, along with that is one of those guys emerging. Darian Price coming back would be fantastic yeah. he has been True. long too long penciled in as an immediate star after a guy that ruptured his achilles right Look, they loved right. him before it happened and then he it's had best transition. running back yes yeah. but that's not the situation now so he has to and i keep saying about Jadarian price it is not that big of a deal if he's back in mid-august it is no. a very big deal if he's back in mid-october yes and he's running well and he makes your second half of your the second yes. half of your season. Denarian prices is a part of your part of your offense
1: well we saw this with 2018 I mean you could you could go out and out get out of that Michigan game without Dexter Williams right you know you 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 could you can grit out a ugly wins over Vanderbilt and Ball State and 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 go down to Wake Forest and play an outman Wake Forest team and you're four and oh and you're pretty good when you then add Dexter Williams in week five to that 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 offense looked completely different well you, completely different. Different. you might not be at Virginia Tech because think of the run correct that, that was correct. a pretty big deal it was huge. I mean, you, you you need that kind of so to your point, you know, you can get through the first three, four games without without Jadarian being right. that guy. Because Jabron Payne's good running back. Jeremiah Jeremy is a very talented freshman running back. But at some point in time, you're gonna need Jadarian Price to be healthy and ready to help. And and not just healthy, because he'll be healthy,
2: it's back to the player he was. Yeah, It's there's a yeah. difference between being legally able to practice. That's when they say he's coming back, he's hundred percent ready to go. 100% ready to go in coach speak actually means he's cleared for practice and we can hit right. him. It has nothing to do with looking like you're supposed to look. So that, I agree exactly that running right. back would be, would be part of that.
1: Yeah. Defensively, you just need the safeties not to get you beat. That's Because, like, look, Tim, even LSU 19, Clemson 18, there were parts of that Clemson 18 team that if, if you could take advantage, if you could hold your water against others, you can beat them here. And we saw that with Notre Dame. If Notre Dame had a better quarterback, they ripped those safeties up because they were they had some. Mat- I mean, you, you remember the, the Chase Claypool, and Michael Young, both have cross deep crossers overs. They just outran the safeties. That if the quarterback had time and then had the guts to make those throws, or big plays on top of the post to Miles Boykin. But you just couldn't you couldn't you couldn't take advantage of it because you were whipped in other areas, right? And so to me, you don't have to be great everywhere. You just have to not. Have positions that get you beat. And to me, that's the safety position. I, it's not going to be great this year. I, could it be, you know, if Xavier Watts steps up, that's big. If Ramon Henderson can just be consistent, you're, you're solid there. And, and you know, Antonio Carter, Carter and now DJ Brown's your number three or number four. You know, Thomas Harper's healthy. I think you're going to be good there with him in the nickel, et cetera, et cetera. You just got to, but you don't need them to look like 2018 Alohi Gilman, Jalen Elliott or, or you know Harrison Smith in 2011, you just need them to not get you beat. And last year, I thought they actually did a pretty good job of not getting you beat. 2021, 2021, uh, they almost got you beat a couple times. You know what I mean? Uh, and they got you beat once, in, you got in, to beat me, in, three, in, the, in the, the bowl game, game yeah, yeah, the bowl game was was yeah. If you could just tackle and cover, you you know you're you're not getting, you're not blowing a 28 to seven lead in that game. Just don't get you beat. But that only works if the front seven and the corners are where they right. need to be. And so that's the thing for me, Tim. I, I I think you nailed that one. I think the D-line playing, turning the potential into on-field production is going to be the key. Because if if Riley Mills and Jordan Patojo are who I think they can be, and Jason Onye can just be in the fall what he was in the spring, we know who Howard Cross is. Yeah, We know what he can bring yeah. to the table. Now all of a sudden, it's like, okay, now you got a chance to be a really disruptive defensive line. Because that's the thing about last year's line. They they weren't uh, disruptive enough. I mean, Foskey had some big moments, but he had one of the least impressive 14 tackle
2: for loss, 11 sack seasons I've ever seen, in my opinion. He did have Just, a more impactful 2021. Uh, even though his production wasn't as good. No, but he was yeah. forcing fumbles when he was making the plays. When you right. force five fumbles and have it a sixth one call back, you've done, yep. you've done your and job.
1: And your clutch. Yeah. He would make plays when they needed him to make plays. And then last year we didn't see it. So we need to see that, too. So – it, boy it's going to be interesting and then if those things don't happen now we're back to the eight and four nine and three conversation right and that's what's going to be fun about this team and that's something i'm very much really excited for tim have you have you got to the point yet it's, it's still early so i don't have this yet have you made your season prediction yet or are you still kind of working through i'm yeah, still no, i usually that. wait
2: till august and then i raise it by one game and make myself wrong because of that because <laughs> i get excited <laughs> watching i get excited watching some practices and camps and yeah no, there haven't been many times i watch august camp and i even though I should have a couple times, got away and been like, ooh, it's not as good as I thought it was going to be. Usually you think they're going to be better. Um, Did
1: you cover the team in 07? Were you here in 07? No, 08 was my first one. Okay. Because yeah. Yeah. that's something Loose Emoji uh, has said to me one time when I was wor- when I was where he's like, yeah, he goes, I remember walking out of the first couple of practices of the 07 season thinking this is going to be a long year. Yeah. <laughs> this- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Priester shared some similar stories about that football team. Like they knew pretty early on in fall camp. This is going to be a, I moved back from Atlanta
2: rough. for the one day before the Georgia tech opener and went to the game. Oh. And I just oh. looked out there and was like, what the hell have they What's been doing practice? <laughs> Cause you know, you're a little removed from it back then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was something else.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was rough, but no, to your point. I mean, I think, I think the only other year that I had concerns was 16 just because of the practices we saw, like, I remember the moment it hit me that this, because I went on Bill King show and I said this, I said this team is either going to be really good or they're going to implode. And the final straw for me was remember that practice we were at where the offense was just so lackadaisical, so lack of energy, just so the Brian Kelly made them run laps.
2: Yes. Like, that's right. When was the last time
1: a division one football team had to run a lap? For, you know, you know Kelly what I mean, made like a good
2: point that year. I asked him the next year. He didn't make, I didn't ask him this that year. Uh he wouldn't have answered. The next year I asked him but going into 17 when they obviously were going to be decent at least, if not really good, decent. Mm-hmm. Um at any point, might have been a summer conversation, at what point did you think there could be a problem in 16? He said, "I thought we needed to get off to a good start to build confidence for our guys that needed it and when we didn't" I knew we were going yeah. to have a problem. And I that yeah. I think that's in retrospect for a veteran coach, even though obviously he did a poor job that year. I think it's probably one of those things where, yeah, you know what? Maybe if they beat Texas, they find a way to not to lay a complete and total against Michigan State. So they're just a bad six and six team instead. And they win a couple other games. They still would have been a bad team. But you could yes. probably win a couple games that you would not have blown. But that's enough yeah. conversation about 2016 as compared to 2023, Brian. Yeah. That would be a that would be a bad situation. No, no. And, and I don't see that
1: here because I don't no. see the same. I mean, you know, who your quarterback is going to be. You don't have the because there was I mean, you were I'm sure you were hearing it. too. I was hearing so much about what was going on behind the scenes that you're like, this is this is this is not good, man. Right. And, and this is this could be I mean, the kids can't go work out in the gym. They have to get like private, you know, they have to get like memberships to local gyms to get good workouts in. You know, you talk about. Just a lack of leadership. Your 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 starting quarterback is out getting hammered, you know, tonight, two night before game, you know, spring game. And just you're just like this team's gonna this team's gonna have some trouble. But it was a culture problem, much yep. more so like yep. that team was not a playoff team talent wise, but they were at least an eight nine win team that year, talent wise. At well, least he said, that's that was why a he terrible came the schedule. That's where traits yeah. came from.
2: It was the culture of that yeah. team. He, it was a total flip in 17 and drew tranquil. And those guys helped when you, when you flip the culture yes. and you have guys like McGlinchy and tranquil and Quentin Nelson leading it. You,
1: the moment that I knew 17 was going to be good was when I listened to drew tranquil after the Georgia game, just sit there solemnly saying, and I'm thinking like, okay, how's this going to respond? Cause you know, I, we still had the bitter taste of 2016 in our mouths. And he just kind of goes like this. And, and and you know, the strong Christian kid, always smiling, always happy. And he goes, I feel really bad for the teams that we're about to play.
2: Yeah, that's right. I, do. I remember that now. Yeah.
1: And you're like, dude, you've literally gone five and nine in the last <laughs> yeah. year plus. You've got oh, you're five and 11, actually, if you keep going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you keep if go you go back in, that's a good point. point. That's right. Really I, I mean and you could go 7 and 11 and then your last two wins were super ugly over bad i mean the point is at that time there was no reason for optimism on that football right. team none and and you're looking at that receiving core and you're like this is a problem and then this cat goes and he says i feel really bad and then i'm like okay that's interesting and i love the i love you're like at least this team has leadership that's what i thought yeah. at least this team has leadership and then the by the end of the next game you're like this team's going to be a problem for people You just ran for 500 yards on a a Boston College team that currently has two starting defensive linemen in the NFL on that team. And Harold Landry was thrown around like a ragdoll the whole game. Yes. (laughs) Zach Allen and Harold Landry could do nothing in that game. I mean, and so you're like, okay, this team's going to be a problem. I feel like this team is going to be similar in in regard. I I don't question the leadership of this team, Tim. I don't think that – like we don't know necessarily who all the leaders are going to be, Mm -hmm. but you look at that offense, you're like, okay – You've got Sam Hartman. You've got Aldrich Estime. You know, you've got Zeke Correll. You've got the
2: two tackles. Well, I think the, you have the, Joe Alt two ahead of schedule. Joe Alt is a, that's a the, the two tackles. The two, the two tackles. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Agree with you. Cause like Blake Fisher also brings a level of yes. of that, you know, he's doing things off the field the right way and he's putting in the work and doing those type of things. It's like I don't I don't question I don't question Tim the leadership of that unit defensively you've got J.D. Bertrand, you've got Jack Kaiser, you've got Cam Hart, you've got Howard Cross, you've Mm got enough leadership. Even D.J. Brown, from a leadership standpoint, can give you something, even though he's not really all that good of a football player in my opinion
2: but they yeah they he's a respected guy in the locker room he right is he would not They would not have brought another six guy back in that situation no I I guess they needed safeties at the time but yeah but but I I think that was taken into consideration
1: agree I I think they would have just said leave and we're going to move one of our corners to safety if he wasn't a really quality locker room presence to that football team so I just feel like those type of things to me, Tim, are – I don't question that. And that's why it's not something I often talk about. Last year I had some questions about who the leadership is going to be because a new coach – and I think there was, a la- there was a lack of leadership early. And not just coming from us, but Michael Mayer comments that he made in, in yeah. what we knew that was going on behind the scenes. like, yeah, there's some problems here. And then they got it fixed, and now I think they're going in the right direction. I think now you at least have a team where everybody's going in the same direction and I don't think that was true last year. There were some other guys who were like, yeah, we're going here, but I'm also doing my thing over here. And I don't think that's as much of a, at least
2: as of right now, is not as much of a problem mm-hmm. for this football team. Yeah, I, I tend to uh, wait till as late in August as I can to do that game-by-game yeah. you know, game finals. I'm,
1: final I'm still breaking thing. down other teams. I did watch Duke's spring game the other day. And I'm telling you, they like spring games don't mean a whole lot, but they do have some good athletes on offense. They have the kid that battled Riley Leonard for the starting quarterback job, moved to receiver. I hadn't really seen paid attention to much. You had decent numbers. You watched him in that game. Like, th- th- this is going to be a, if Notre Dame is a playoff team this year, Tim, I, this is the one prediction I have. If they're a playoff team, they will have absolutely earned it because this is, there's a lot of quality football teams on the schedule. There really so, are.
2: I have one for you here that's a scheduled quirk, and I brought this up in my, my Monday musings column. When we leave Duke, the, the press box that mm-hmm. night, because inevitably they're gonna make that a night game on us. They always do those type of things to us. <laughs> if the 19 game was a night game, Tim, yes. this is gonna yes. be nice. <laughs> the season is half over on wow. September 30th. That's wow. how busy and then they get and then they still have to keep playing. They're not done. They have to play Louisville right after that, too.
1: I didn't even think about that. No, you're correct. Because they play Ohio State on the 23rd. That's right.
2: Wow. Yeah. So basically, if you're going to beat Notre Dame. How's the season half over on September 30th?
1: To your point, if Notre Dame's not a playoff team, it'll be because of what happens in the first six, seven weeks, not because of what happens in the last five weeks. That was my point. Yeah. Yeah. So if they can, and and that's why getting out of that two back-to-back road games is so important. Going into USC with zero to one losses. I, I yes. like Notre Dame in that matchup. I do. I do. So good good stuff, Tim. We're gonna do a mailbag next, right? So right. so we have we haven't had a surprisingly, there hasn't been a ton of great questions so far. We've only got five stars so far. So if you guys have some mailbag questions, get those in now. Otherwise, Tim is gonna have the shortest mailbag segment ever. <laughs> and we definitely don't want that. So before we go, though, folks, hey, folk, do us a favor, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, and of course, sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com.